We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Today is Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. On this day in 1992, the Supreme Court ruled the American government could legally kidnap criminal suspects in foreign countries. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the Supreme Court ruling that the government could snatch criminal suspects from foreign territories and smuggle them to the U.S. for trial. The judicial branch approved such kidnappings, even if they violated existing extradition treaties between the United States and other nations. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. on June 15, 1992. The United States versus Alvarez Machain case was a major one. It was brought before the Supreme Court to address the government's kidnapping of Umberto Alvarez Machain in 1990. The justices' final votes came in six to three. The ruling was shocking. It set the standard for the U.S. to ignore the framework of international legal standards accepted by most developed nations. It has never been easy for global entities to enforce intercontinental law. Still, the structures were generally agreed upon to ensure fundamental human rights. However, when it came to the murder of a U.S. DEA agent in 1985, the government decided to bypass international law. The man's murders had to be brought to justice, no matter what it took. Agent Camarena was a loyal veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. He served as an agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration for over a decade. Before that, he was an officer with the Imperial County Sheriff's Department in Southern California. He was one of the agency's top emissaries. In February of 1985, cartel shooters encircled the U.S. consulate in Guadalajara, Mexico. When Camarena emerged from the building, the bandits pounced. They seized him, threw him into their car, and rushed him to a house on Lope de Vega Street. There, a battalion of henchmen beat the agent within an inch of his life. They tied him to a cot. In between bouts of torture, they questioned him about his informants. Supposedly, Dr. Alvarez Machain helped prolong the agent's life by injecting him with adrenaline and lidocaine. The longer he lived, the more the cartel could torture him into answering their questions. The cartel eventually killed Camarena and buried him at a secluded ranch outside Guadalajara. Mexican authorities found his remains, but Camarena's death came during a time in which the U.S. was amping up efforts against drug cartels. And after investigating Camarena's murder, the DEA wanted to make an example out of Alvarez Machain. 
In the spring of 1990, the U.S. finally issued a warrant for the doctor's arrest. To bring him in for trial, though, they sent three bounty hunters to kidnap him without an extradition request. He was taken to El Paso, Texas. Once he was on U.S. soil, Alvarez Machine was indicted by DEA officials. He made a motion to dismiss the charges, insisting his kidnapping was the result of extrajudicial action from the U.S. He'd been abducted in violation of Mexico's extradition treaty with the United States. The treaty did exist, though it said nothing specifically about America's obligation to refrain from forcible abductions of people in Mexico. The agreement also failed to mention any consequences should such an action occur. That's when the case ended up on the Supreme Court's bench. Ultimately, the justices ruled that while the doctor's abduction may have seemed like a violation of general international law principles, it wasn't actually illegal. But not every judge agreed. Coming up, we'll talk about the justices who dissented the court's majority ruling. Hi, listeners. It's Carter from ParCast. And I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads. And it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals. Like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now back to the story. On June 15, 1992, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three that the U.S. could legally kidnap foreign suspects in their home countries. The court determined that Dr. Alvarez Machine's abduction from Mexico, a nation with which the U.S. had an extradition treaty, didn't prohibit his trial in a U.S. court. It was a divided judgment. The three dissenters were Justices Harry Blackman, Sandra Day O'Connor, and John Paul Stevens. Stevens said the ruling constituted a flagrant violation of international law. He wrote that most courts throughout the world would be disturbed by the monstrous decision. 
He agreed with the other dissenting judges that technically the treaty lacked a direct promise to refrain from forcible abductions in other nations. But they also felt viewing extradition treaties as optional would set a dangerous standard. Here's why. If the U.S. deemed it acceptable to go into a territory and kidnap someone before attempting extradition, other nations would feel they could do the same thing to the U.S. It begged the question of how the government could successfully protect its citizens. Pundits and administrative officials alike worried the case would have a negative impact on foreign relations. George H.W. Bush's administration claimed that neither Alvarez Machine's arrest nor the court's decision reflected a change in its policy. But the court's actions spoke louder than the president's words. The judgment did imply a lack of respect for international agreements. Other nations took notice, and unsurprisingly, they broadly disapproved. Mexico denounced the decision, saying it was unacceptable. The Canadian Ministry of External Affairs made it clear that if anyone attempted to abduct someone from Canada, the nation would not take it lightly. Argentina's foreign minister echoed Mexico and Canada's sentiments. He explained that it would be a shocking, serious act if kidnapping occurred on his country's soil, and he would respond accordingly. In the end, the three bounty hunters who kidnapped Alvarez Machine from his Guadalajara office were convicted. Mexico sentenced them to 18 years behind bars. Meanwhile, though the U.S. surpassed the first hurdle when the Supreme Court declared the kidnapping valid, they still had to prove Alvarez Machine was guilty. Unfortunately, though Dr. Alvarez Machine was accused of helping cartel abusers revive Agent Camarena in between bouts of torture and interrogation, the state failed to present a valid witness. During his trial, several testimonies placed Alvarez Machine at the crime scene. One even mentioned him washing hypodermic needles there. But despite his presence, nobody could say they saw him actually inject the agent. He was released and made his way home to Mexico. There, he faced no charges. Today, international law remains a relatively weak construct. There will likely always be gray areas and cracks when nations with different philosophies try to bridge their judicial practices. The best we can ask of our government is to respect those constructs and put the safety of its citizens first. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Anya Bayerly. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new ParCast limited series, Devious Dads. 
For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who were far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.